This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Graw, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and close to us, sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 190 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have a one final tale for the moment of Fionn McCool and the Fianna of Era. It is Fionn McCool and the Great Chase. But first, a very big welcome to any new and indeed any returning listeners. If this is your first episode of Fireside, you're more than welcome to give this a go. You don't need any context for this episode, really, I don't think. Um, But if you enjoy it, see what we've been building up to in the preceding weeks, months and years of Fireside as we build ever on further to our fourth anniversary and if you're a returning listener whether it's been recent or all along thank you so much for your continued support all the ways you can support this podcast normally you can spread the good name of fireside by recommending us you can share it on your story on social media of episodes that you're listening to all of those really really do make a difference you can support it in other ways you can support it by buying my poetry book garden sea in paperback from the headstuff website or from a Kindle version instantly from Amazon. Both links are in the description below. That's my personal favorite way of you sharing, of you supporting, uh, because that's my favorite thing to be sharing out, um, is Garden Scene, my neo-myth of home built around the folklore, history, religion of Ireland and my experiences growing up here and written between here and in the east coast of Ireland and the west coast of California of the Garden Sea. Um, if not that, you can support the podcast directly at Headstuff Plus uh, by joining for Headstuff at headstuffpodcast.com, link in the description as well. Wherever as little as five euro a month, you can gain access to bonus material, not just for Fireside, but for all of the head the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network and more. There are of them constantly growing each and every month and each and every year. So that is all that now. Here we are, episode 190, 10 away from 200 and our four-year anniversary. It's an incredible thing to be. It's another, every time it's a little milestone. And this actually coincides very nicely with we just reached 500,000 listens uh, over on Audio Boom, which, depending on your frame of reference, may not seem like a lot, but like it is still half a million people and half a million times that this podcast has been listened to which I think is an incredible thing and I'm very very proud of it and thank you each and every one of you for listening because naturally 
there wouldn't be a fireside still without you still not listening. So thank you. Thank you so much. This episode is coming out a day late. Apologies for those who wait for it on to come out on the Wednesday. Um, I have been. I'm still in Ireland. Um, I've been gigging quite a lot recently. I've had eleven gigs in a row, which has been great. It's been great to be back. Um, and back doing some things here that I really, really love. Um, I've been working on the uh, Dublin Literary Pub Crawl again, which is job I've had for years but I hadn't been on it in in nearly three years even since before COVID and uh, it's just a great thing to do or uh, take tourists around to the various haunts of old great Irish writers and perform pieces of their work and so chatting about Joyce and Beckett and Wilde and Brendan Behan and Van Boland and and all of them is and performing their work is a really really lovely way to see Dublin and I really really adore do it, doing it and I've never appreciated it as much and between that and I've also been playing music gigs in the Temple Bar and in Johnny Fox's so it's been great but it's been quite a long block and it's been a huge huge strain on my voice my voice still isn't a hundred percent but the other day it was nearly totally gone when i had to work as well so i wanted to even wait the day longer to record fireside just so that my voice was a bit better and i'll record two of these in the go as well so next week's will come out on time and hopefully everyone after that because i never even like it to be a day late where at all possible but thank you for your patience if you were waiting. The story for this week is probably the final story we will take, certainly for the moment. I think I've more or less exhausted John Hawkins Simpson's um, adaptation of Poems of Ushin Bard of Era, um, which is the link is in the description as well, to a digital version if you want to check it out at all yourself. This is... Um, a very self-contained tale, which is great because some of the more other ones um, relied on listening to other ones and reading other stories and they were more continuations. But this is quite isolated and this was a really, really nice one and a nice one to have as a as a rounding, as a decade episode of a 190. Um, we will chat more about it, of course, afterwards. But this is Fionn McCool and the Great Chase on Fireside. <laughs> Fionn McCool and the Great Chase The warriors of the Fianna were never as happy, never as at peace, as when they were hunting. Hunting was in their blood, some of them quite literally. Fionn McCool had fallen in love with Sive, who had been transformed into a doe and had given birth to Ushin, who had lived his first seven years in the form of a deer. Fionn's cousins Bran and Skilan had been born to their mother as wolfhounds and served every one of their days by their master cousin's side. So to the Fianna, hunting was not just for survival, nor for sport. It was when they felt most connected to the cycle of mortality and felt most a part of this tangible earth. Usually the warriors would hunt together, but every so often we all need time to ourselves, to clear our heads, to find peace and solitude. And heavy is the head that wears the crown. 
So one day, Fionn McCool sought a release from his beloved brethren of the Fianna and walked the forest himself. Himself, that is, and his two loyal hounds. Suddenly the ears of Bran and Skjallan pricked up and the cousins began to unleash their deep, cavernous bark. They had spotted a deer. Fionn, delighted with the external stimuli to focus his mind, gave the dogs leave to pursue, and so the hunt began. The Fianian leader was not as young as he had once been, but was still every bit as fast, dogged, and patient a hunter. He was well able to keep up with Bran and Skillan, and had the stamina to stay with them. The three followed the deer up a great mountain called Schlieve Gullion, two miles high. The hounds adored the escalated terrain, which stretched and challenged their muscles, but the aging Fionn began to feel the burn in his calves and hamstrings. At the mountain top, it appeared that they had lost their target, but she had to have gone east or west. So Fionn ordered Bran and Skillan to head west, and the Fenian leader took off east. Fionn's trail led him to a great lake on the top of a mountain, a volcanic lake. But Fionn was not thinking of volcanic activity, not in a literal sense anyway. But his heart bubbled and boiled at the sight of a woman sat at the water's edge. She was about Fionn's age, he thought but looked half it, beautiful, but crying into the lake. Ever the hero to have to get involved with any soul in need, Fionn approached the anguished woman. Excuse me, I hope you don't mind me asking, but why do you cry? Is it for the loss of a lover or a loved one? The woman turned and Fionn drowned in her eyes, which were deeper than the lake they cried into. No, my husband has been dead for many years, but I have dropped our wedding ring into this colossal lake. That one token is the last I have of him, and now it is lost forever. Fionn had already begun to strip off his clothes as he said, Fear not, my lady, I will swim the lake until I find your ring. Fionn could have sucked his thumb, which gave him all the knowledge of the world, but often that sucked the excitement and unpredictability out of human life. So to enjoy the challenge, Fionn dove headfirst into the lake to search for the ring blind. If he had sucked his thumb, he may have seen what was actually going on. Five times Fionn McCool swam around the lake of Schlieve Gullion, to no avail. He had the lungs of a seal and could dive down deep for lengthy periods of time underwater. Finally, in the deepest, darkest part of the lake, Fionn saw the faintest glimmer of gold. With one final gasp of breath, the Fenian leader dove and kicked his way to the lake floor and retrieved the fateful ring. Fionn erupted from the volcanic lake like bursting magma and held the prize high in the air. Gripping the ring tightly, he began to swim back to the shore to give the woman her beloved band. 
But as he did so, Fionn began to feel strange. He felt himself rapidly growing heavier and weaker. It was as if all the moisture of the water was sucking into him like spending too long in the bath. He was beginning to wrinkle, the bulging muscles in his arms and legs growing limp and useless, his bones feeling thin and brittle. What was happening to the leader of the Fianna? Back at their camp at Alwyn Fort, Oshin, Oscar, Quilcha and the rest of the Fianna sat by the fireside drinking and playing chess. Quilcha said, Has anyone seen Fionn? He hasn't returned from his walk yet. It was true that Fionn was never away from his own men for very long. Fionn's missing, said the delighted Conan Whale McMorna. Good. I hope he's missing for a year. It would be a wonderful break from his preaching and orders. Despite Conan's protestations, a search party was formed. At the head was Quilcha McRonan, the fastest runner of the Vienna. Followed closely by Fionn's son, Ushin, grandson, Oscar, and a host of other leaders, including a very reluctant Conan Whale, who felt he should be there in case the others made a plot against Clan Morna. The Vienna were the greatest trackers the world had ever known, and it did not take them long to follow the scent and distinctive footsteps of Fionn, Bran, and Skillan. Fionn's cousin wolfhounds found the hunting party first. They were exhausted, but otherwise unharmed. Bran, Skillan, said Quilcha. Now our pursuit will be much easier. Take us to Fionn. The wolfhounds needed no further instruction. They took off back towards Sleeve Gullion with the Fianna in close pursuit. Arriving at the lake, the Fianna found nothing but a figure sitting at the water's edge. But it was no weeping woman this time, but the oldest-looking man that any of them had ever seen. He was dripping wet and looked too brittle to even stand. His long grey hair looked like he had not been outside a cave all his life. But would he have the characteristic wisdom of such an aged figure? The Fianna attempted to speak to the old man, but his head continued to hang low and he gave no reply. Oscar became suspicious. When Oscar became suspicious, he became angry. He drew his sword. Old man, if you do not want to lose your head, you will tell us what has happened to Fionn McCool. Quilcher was quick on his feet, but not quick to anger. Put your sword away, Oscar. Let me speak with him privately. Quilcher went to the old man's side and listened closely for the feeblest of voices. The runner jumped back like a frightened rabbit that was his symbol. He turned to his brethren. This is Fionn. Conan Muel could not contain his laughter. Ha ha! Hubris has finally caught up to Fionn McCool. And now I will take his feeble life like my brother Gaul took his father's. Fionn has never been a friend to Clan Morna, and we only have survived in spite of his leadership. Conan drew his sword, and so did Oscar. May the gods help me, Conan. I will finally cut that big 
bald head from your shoulders if you take one step towards my grandfather. Conan instantly lost his vitriol as Oscar ran for him. The coward of Clan Morna took refuge among a group of Fenian warriors while the rest attempted to hold Oscar back. Peace, Oscar, cried Quilche. You killing Conan will not help Fionn. And Conan, I do not want to hear your voice for the rest of today, or else I will set Oscar on you. Conan pleaded for mercy, claiming hypocritically that one Fenian could not slay another. Quilche approached the decrepit Fionn. Who did this to you? Is there no way we can reverse this? Fionn spoke. I was enchanted by Gullion, the daughter of this lake. She asked me to retrieve a ring for her, but either from the cursed object or raging waters, I am all that remains. The Fianna all placed their shields on the ground to form a stretcher of sorts to place Fionn upon. While the others bore their leader on their shoulders, Oscar and Quilche pursued the Enchantress. When they finally found Princess Gullion, Quilche and Oscar drew their swords. Oscar spoke. You will cure whatever you have done to our leader and my grandfather, or you will never see the age you have given to him. Gullion was taken aback. Swords will not be necessary. Youth is a thing of powerful beauty. I value it in all I see, and give the curse of old age when I feel like it. Fionn McCool was the most powerful warrior in his youth, and now I have taken his power. But you, Oscar, I was not aware of one younger, stronger, and more fiery than Fionn McCool. Truly you are the most beautiful youth I have ever seen. Lie with me, and I will restore your grandfather's youth. Quilcha and Oscar looked at each other. Oscar fought with the sword. There was no one better with a sword. But he knew nothing of the acts of love. Quilcha spoke. Give us the cure first before we trust you and you do the same to Oscar as you did to Fionn. Gullion produced a goblet filled with a bright ruby liquid. This is a goblet of liquid youth, and it will restore your leader. Take the goblet, Quilcher. Oscar, you can stay. So, while a nervous Oscar prepared to do what needed to be done, Quilcher sprinted back to the lake, taking care not to spill a drop of this liquid. He reached the other Fenians, with Fionn still lying on their shields. Quilcher brought the goblet to Fionn's lips and forced him to drink every drop. As the liquid flooded down his dry throat, Fionn grew younger by the second. In fact, he continued to do so. By the time he had finished the drink, Fionn was even younger than he had been at the beginning of that day. He could once again lead the Fianna with strength and power. The only thing that didn't change was the color of his hair. 
Fionn was now a silver fox with grey hair, which Fionn quite liked. I will proudly wear this grey hair to remind me of the value of what remains of youth and the wisdom that is given with age. Oscar never spoke about his evening in the woods with the daughter of the lake. But it is said that Fionn and Oscar never aged a day from then on until their final glorious day of battle. To be continued. My first poem went viral January last. I wrote a book and now I host a podcast. I'll have guests, we'll laugh and we'll moan and we'll realise that everybody's a poem. Hello, I'm Jan Brereton. I'm a mom, a fashion stylist, a perpetual sweary person and an accidental poet. In the thick of lockdown, I wrote a poem. What day is it? Who gives a fuck? I'd never written a poem before, but once I started writing, I couldn't stop. I'd love you to join me each fortnight for my podcast, Everybody is a Poem, where I'll read some poems and I'll chat with guests who inspire me. Everybody is a Poem with me, Jan Brereton, coming soon to the Head Stuff Podcast Network. And that is the tale of Fionn McCool and the Great Chase on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Yes, mortality and age right at the centre of this tale, which is at the centre of a few Fenian tales as well. First and foremost being, of course, the tale of Tirnanog, where Oshin Fionn's son goes to Tirnanog for what to him feels like three years, and it turns out it's 300 years, which only catches up to him when he returns home and falls from his horse and instantly ages 300 years. And in fact, most of these John Hawkins Simpson stories are, as I've said in other episodes, are narrated from the 300-year-old dying Ushin to St. Patrick in a recently converted Christian Ireland in which there really is something to their constant bickering. It's written as dialogue, almost like a play, and there's a bickering back and forth between Patrick and Ushin about whether or not Oscar and Fionn were greater than Jesus and who would win in a fight, basically. It does get quite repetitive in that very kind of bardic way, but there definitely really is something in it, and it's very, very interesting to explore as I... probably will do in some stage in the future but for this tale right from the beginning I was interested in this idea of Fionn being on his own because Fionn particularly when he's older he is one of the few heroes who we really experience at every stage of his life many especially mythological heroes are either permanently young or permanently old and have this eternal quality to them and this eternal youth because they usually die quite young. Classic cases such as 
Ku Cullen or many of the gods from the mythological cycle are naturally just inter- eternally the one age. But Fionn, we hear about his birth, we hear about his childhood, his adolescence, his young adulthood, his marriages, his his aging, and we hear about his death or whether or not he ever did die or whether him and the rest of the Vienna do lie in wait. But Fionn's age is always central, or if not central, it's always uh, a theme throughout these tales. And so with this story, it was not, I was interested that film was on his own as this older leader and this man coming to terms with his own mortality. And so I was interested in exploring that him needing that and especially with the hunting, because yes, like so many of these characters, whether it's whether it's Fionn himself, you know, always being associated with the deer to falling in love with a woman turned into a deer, to his son being born a deer, to his cousins being born wolfhounds. Hunting is is so deeply a part of the fabric and and blood and flesh of the Fianna that it was really interesting to look at from a transcendental point of view, kind of. You know, that they very much is how they feel a part of the earth and the world and that it is this kind of trance or this meditation to them which is very very interesting to think about and obviously a far cry from our contemporary like negative connotations of the idea of hunting um but here we have what i liked about this this curse and this transformation and I put a little bit of a twist in that it's almost this uh, fountain of youth kind of way. And we do have a kind of a fountain of youth, this this great lake. Is it the swimming in the lake or is it the power of this princess, this enchantress who curses Fionn? And also, why does she? Is it just to, it seems that it is just to exercise her power and just that she can. And a very joker, dark knightish, some people just want to watch the world burn. But the story just says that she loves Oscar, that she gives this goblet because she had a great love for Oscar, but it doesn't say why. So my interpretation of that has been that Oscar represents everything that Fionn was when he was young and more, because Oscar, by all accounts in the stories, is the far greater warrior than Fionn McCool ever was. He didn't have the same opportunities in that he doesn't have the wisdom that Fionn has because of the Salmon of Knowledge, nor does he get the opportunity to lead the Fianna because he himself dies, depending on the version, in the final battle with Fionn. Um, so Oscar never gets... Oscar is one of those eternally youthful characters of mythology. It's why he is my favourite. There's something so interesting about, about him even though it is almost, as I've said before, a kind of, he's almost one-dimensional in his perfection, but especially with these John Hawkins Simpsons versions, I've allowed, it's allowed me to really explore the characters so much more and just give them beats. Like, I love this constant comic refrain of anytime anything's going bad with the Fianna, Conan Whale is delighted and Oscar tries to kill him. And we have this real... Cartman and Kyle in South Park to draw another crude reference where Cartman is always threatening to beat up Kyle and then the one or tw- once or twice they do Kyle very lightly knocks him on the chin and Eric starts crying or starts screaming and 
this is their constant back and forth. And and that brings a real truthful levity to these tales of this constant war between Oscar and Oshin or Oscar and Conan. And draws light to other moments such as when Oscar isn't very nearly defeated by the Green Blade, which we had a couple of weeks ago. Mergoch and the Green Blade or like fighting the King of Cats it is Conan calling to him asking him to get up and telling him he can't go down like this that is one of the things that fills Oscar with courage his greatest rival in the Fianan the one he has the least amount of love for being the one who stirs him on because Conan knows that Oscar is better than any of them so yes when he meets this enchantress and I was also interested in that that's also not said anywhere but if, if Oscar is this great fighter, this young man who has known nothing else but conflict and battle and war, then it's unlikely that he would be in any way sophisticated in romance. I have not as of yet found a story they might exist of Oscar being in love. His father and grandfather are the experts in that, particularly his father, Oshin, because Oshin is the poet. He is the writer, he is the storyteller, he is the lover. And his fa- his grandfather was either lucky or unlucky in love. He was lucky to have found his great love, Sive, who Oscar came from. But also he lost Sive forever. And his second wife, Gráinne, except if you go by these most recent versions, the iconic story is that Gráinne does not want to marry an older Fionn. But this idea of an older Fionn and a story about him being de-aged, aged up and de-aged, and this lovely detail, which is in the version I adapted, of him keeping the grey hair despite regaining his youth to a degree, is a detail I quite liked, and this idea that he would want to wear it with pride. It almost, not that myths need to be made too much sense of. I mean, I like when there's a, like a story a story through line through it that they can make sense especially when you have random details like her just giving them the goblet because she was in love with Oscar and no I would want a bit more detail than that or at least an interpretation just to make it clear in my mind and to make it as clear as water for you all to listen to but it is still quite nice that there is this element of addressing Fionn's longevity because in more stories than not, Fionn actually is an old man and he is taking a more supporting role and a role of a sage general rather than being the one to gain. It's always it's always Usker or Conan or Quilce or any of the rest of them who are usually in the battles. And if Fionn does it all, it's either very, very late uh, or last or not at all. And so this almost made a bit more sense now that why Fionn has had that longevity and why he has is still fighting side by side with his grandchildren, you know. He's older, but he's still strong and tall and capable, and this now gives some kind of, more than sense, but just it adds a cyclical nature to it that you could feed this story, which is a story out of context and kind of standalone piece, you could feed it back in before or after so many of them. And that's how I feel. That's why they're called the cycles, which has just kind of come to me there. It's like they are cyclical. They do go all around and into each other. But it's not a clean cycle. It's very, it's it's various whirlpools. You know, it's Scylla and Charybdis. They're going all over the place. But they do loop back around together. And 
filter into different waters and different lakes and that changes them and morphs them and can make them sometimes collapse in on themselves or like clash with each other but this is the nature of these kinds of myths and that really brings the term cycle beautifully to pardon the phrase full circle <laughs> and with full circle i will wrap things up as that was a nice little meandering way to finish the episode there but i hope you all enjoyed this one this was a real fun one a really nice one to do with the 190th It'll, it'll never not be lovely to spend time in the company of Fionn and the Fianna and I will I will miss them again and it was nice to explore them and to know that there was there was so many more of these stories to get like I thought I was just going to get the Battle of Entry the Battle of Entry was the one that was in my head that I knew I hadn't covered and would have to cover at some stage but I knew it was a bigger one it would take, probably take a couple of episodes so I left it for a while but now, then this version that I adapted just kept going, giving and giving. And it's really, it's given me such heart that there's probably so many stories of Cucullan and the kings and the other gods that there's still plenty, plenty to go, you know, as we approach the 200th episode. Because the more and more I think about it, it seems like 300, it seems like the, the episode, the amount of episodes that I would want to aim for Fireside, six, six years and 300 episodes. So that's still a full more than two years to go. But I do want to revisit. I never wanted to rehash, but I want to revisit maybe for the last year, if not for every episode of the last year, but for alternating episodes. Seriously, let me know what your thoughts about this. I've touched on this briefly before, I think, that I want to go back on other episodes I've done ones that might have been written like a long time ago, ones that might not have been recorded appropriately. I've recorded in various situations with various different qualities of microphone, um, stories that I would just want to have another crack at, and they won't be the same because I'll totally rewrite them. But I would want that, and then to see how the four years and the breadth of knowledge and the breadth of experience of doing this podcast for so long, to see how that would affect me going back in. So that's the kind of long-term plan, but that's where we are. But as always, uh, if you haven't done so already, please follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Buy my book, Garden Sea, a neo-myth of home uh, at headstuff.org or on Kindle at Amazon. Uh, support the podcast at headstuffpodcast.com. All of the links are in the description below. Next week and for the next few weeks, we have spooky Halloween tales. Um, which I'm really looking forward to. Three three or four great folktales coming your way, all packed in together for the month of October. Um, and that, next week we have the story of the haunted cellar. So I look forward to that. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.